This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.ororapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is Erica Rankin, the founder and CEO of Brodo. How are you, Erica? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for making time. I'm really excited to tell the audience about your journey and your incredible success in this space. But let's talk a a little bit about your background. How did you get from your past to where you are now? Yeah, it's a weird journey. So back in 2017, so I guess prior to that, I graduated high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. And my parents told me I had to go to post-secondary. Otherwise, if I started working, I would get comfortable and then not want to ever go back to school. And I guess I am older now. So looking back, it does make (laughs) a lot of sense because everyone was getting an education. Now things are different. But so I went down the path of psychology, got my bachelor's, And then I wanted to get my master's because with that degree, you can't really do much. You need to build on it and decided to take a year off and work. So I got a job in research. I worked there for about a year, but I was making minimum wage. I was working kind of crappy hours, didn't have benefits and I'm in Canada. So it'd be really great to have benefits. (laughs) Um, And I just was doing a lot of things that I could have done had I not even gone to university. I was photocopying documents, answering phones, and the prerequisite was a diploma. And I thought this is really silly because anyone could do this job. Like I studied for four years for this. This is very weird, right? So I think I just got very discouraged with how the system is built. And so I, I was trying to find interest in other areas. So I started doing personal training. I worked in a grocery store in the bakery department and my sister worked at that store. My um, best friend at the time worked there. Her brother worked there. Her mom worked there. Everyone, like I went to high school. And then I got to a point where I was at my nine to five job and I stumbled across a podcast and it was an entrepreneurship podcast. And I had never been exposed to that lifestyle. I didn't know that it was something that was doable for me, like for someone who has no business background, no connections. My parents are not entrepreneurs. I don't know. I didn't know a single entrepreneur at the time. And it just opened up my mind to like all these new things and these possibilities. And it got to a point where my contract came to an end and I decided, okay, I'm going to quit this job. I'm just going to use all my savings on a trip to Southeast Asia. So I booked a trip to Southeast Asia. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Quit my other jobs and I went backpacking for, it was supposed to be one month. And then I ended up staying for three months. And I went from Thailand to Malaysia, to Singapore, to Indonesia. And on that trip, I met entrepreneurs. And that was where I had the aha moment and thought, okay, I met a high school dropout who had a moving company. I met a lawyer who was building like these immaculate properties in Thailand and selling them for exorbitant amounts of money. And (laughs) it was just like very interesting to me. And the one thing that they all had in common is that they were really passionate about what they did. And they were excited to talk about what they did. And I didn't know what I was going to do at the time. All I knew was that I wanted that. And I wanted to feel that way about what I was doing for work. I didn't want to be excited for Fridays and dread Mondays and look at the clock every hour and go on my lunch break and doom scroll on social media (laughs) with no purpose. So 
I got home and then in 2018, I competed in bodybuilding. And one thing that I did for myself, yeah, this is like a scattered version of the story, but I love it. This is so fascinating. Uh Yeah. So I competed in bodybuilding because I'm someone who needs purpose. And when I was working that Mm -hmm. nine to five job, I just felt so I was like an empty shell. And I'm like, I need Mm -hmm. something to keep me going and motivated and meal prepping and going to the gym and training and challenging myself. That was something that I really enjoyed doing at the time. And I stepped on stage and I competed and then I lost myself. And then that was another reason why I booked this trip to Southeast Asia because I was just very lost. Um, But when I was prepping for my show, I was, I had to eliminate a lot of the things that I normally ate. Like I couldn't eat sweets anymore and I had to have a very regimented diet. So I just started experimenting with different ingredients that my coach like let me eat. And uh, one of the things that I made was like these little protein cookie dough bites. And I had an Instagram page called Erica Foodie. And I would share every single thing that I made, I would post on there. And this one specific recipe and the pictures of the cookie dough bites got so much attention every time I posted it. And I never thought of making it into a business. And then I thought back, like when I got home from my trip, I remember sitting on my mom's carpet and I'm like, okay, what do I like? What am I good at? What do people want? What would they spend their money on? And then what does the market need in Canada? So those are the three questions I asked. And then it just landed on the cookie dough. I was like, I like it. People like it. And then uh, I came up with the name Brodo because I was very like immersed in the the fitness space and it's protein cookie dough. So that's the words. Everyone would joke around at the gym and be like, do you even lift bro? Or (laughs) so I thought it was fun. And I love um, that. Yeah, that's where it all came from. And then I launched it later that year in 2019. So and now we're here. <laughs> well, that's an awesome story. And I, I love the name Brodo. It's so it's so fun and it's so unique. And I, I want to give you a compliment before we go too much far, further. You have been an inspiration to me in social media. You have been so real, so genuine, so raw. I think it's so unique. And I just want to tell people that are listening to make sure they follow you on your TikTok and uh, Instagram and social media, LinkedIn. Your posts are so genuine and that's very rare these days. So well done. Thank you. That really means a lot. Takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there. I can attest to that. There's a lot of pushback sometimes when we are super honest about things. (laughs) But I think it's worth it in the long run to be yourself and to be genuine. So nice job. Yeah, thank you. I agree. I recently spoke at Pack Expo about social media. And that that was one of the things we said is be yourself. And you'll be amazed at how much more interest you get. You can't fake this stuff. <laughs> so, well, you already answered my second question about your name of your company. I think that's so cool. Your company is is still pretty new. You've started in 2019. I would say, I would like to know what was your number one challenge of of being a startup? What was the hardest part? Oh, gosh. Operationally, I think just fully understanding like what my strengths and weaknesses are and me trying to do everything. Because when you're a startup, you don't have the resources to hire and get help in the areas that you need help in. So you just have to figure it out on your own. And there are some things that I did because I had to, it was out of necessity and I probably shouldn't have done them. But at the same time, I learned a lot in doing all of that. I had a really big, like the business has grown and that's great, whatever we have that. But I think what I'm more proud of or take time to reflect on is like the personal growth that I've gone through throughout growing the company 
because in 2019, December 2019, launched the company, really had no freaking clue what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> told people like what my company name was. They tried Googling it, couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh, what is SEO? Oh, crap. What I have to market it. And I had no idea. <laughs> and one thing that I really struggled with was delegating. Okay. Um, for two years, like over two years, I was doing everything myself. And I was waking up at 4 a.m., picking, packing, shipping orders and answering customer emails and managing social media and going to the kitchen for eight hours at a time. And I've had I had the opportunity to get help, but I always turn it down because I thought, no, I can do it myself. And once I started allowing people to come in and support me, it was a complete game changer. And I had my friend come in and help me make cookie dough in the kitchen one night. And we did double the amount of jars. Mm -hmm. And I just stepped back and looked at everything. And I'm like, wow, why did it take me so long to just get over the fear of letting someone in and helping? Because it it really did make a huge difference for the business. And from that point forward, I thought, okay, if I want to grow this thing, I have to delegate a lot of stuff because my wheels are just going to keep spinning. And <laughs> I think a lot of founders have that problem. It's like founder syndrome. Like no yeah. one's going to scoop this cookie dough the best or screw on the lipotatus. <laughs> like everyone yeah. thinks that they're the best. They can do the best job, but you can't grow a company that way. I think you're exactly right. It's a, a very common. I'm guilty of the same. Oh, nobody could do this the same as me. I need to do all of this. And it's once you start, I even have my son record me in TikToks now. And just that difference of having someone help me is amazing and so much easier. It's just my wife helps me with a lot of the financial things. She's a, she's our CFO. It's incredible to get help and to feel that relaxation, to feel your shoulders drop and just say, okay, I've got a team of support now. And, and I think you're doing the right thing. So well done. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so you were shipping cold chain for a long time and that that was or you couldn't ship cold chain. I'm can you explain what happened there? You were going direct to grocery and now you p- pivoted? Yeah. Yeah, I have gone through a lot of changes with the business. So you don't know what you don't know and <laughs> I I didn't really go into this with a business mindset. I didn't think oh, this is going to make me good money. These are going to be good margins. This is a good business model. I never looked at it that way. It was like, I really am passionate about this and I like it and people like it and it's going to work. And I am not a math like girly. Like I'm not not to fall into the stereotype, but I'm just not good at math. I'm very good at many <laughs> things, but I'm not good at math no matter how hard I try. And it is a weakness for me. And one thing that I struggled with was like margins and stuff. And I didn't really understand how they worked. I do now, I understand now. And I have an operations advisor who helps support me there. But I remember like shipping a perishable product and having no idea what shelf life was and food science and all that stuff. So I was making this stuff in a commercial kitchen. And I remember, so I did direct to consumer for the first two years. Mm. And that was pretty much only because I couldn't get into stores because the world flipped upside down and we had a pandemic. Grocery stores were closed. I was knocking on doors. I got into one store and they shut down, they closed shop. And then I got into this other store and I think it was like the month after I launched and I had been a customer of this store and the owner was really kind and she's, I'll take a chance on you. We'll order. I was bubble. I was spending an arm and a leg on packaging supplies first off from Uline, which if anyone's listening, that is like the most painful thing to hear. (laughs) They're very reliable, but they're so expensive. And 
I had like bubble wrapped all these jars and shipped them to the store and they did not unwrap them from the bubble wrap. They just put them <laughs> in the fridge and then they sent them to their customers. And by the time they got to the customers, they were super spoiled, like mm. crazy moldy. Like they were hairy and I was getting all these pictures. And this was like within two weeks of me launching the business. And wow, I was like, yeah. And I remember like sitting in my apartment um, and wondering, what am I going to do? This is horrible. So I had to replace all those jars. And then it was summertime. And that was like a whole nother experience in itself is you get people who put the wrong address in and they don't put the buzzer code or they're not home or they go away and they're at their cottage for the weekend and they come back and the products on the porch in the sun. So mm. I just took a step back and thought, okay, this is really not working for me, especially as I start to grow and I get more sales, more customers, more problems. So right. I decided to pull back and pivot into retail and we completely stopped doing direct to consumer and just focused exclusively on retail and even went through a packaging change cuz I had a lot of issues with my old packaging. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So now we do just retail. However, I'm going to be launching shelf-stable products that are going to be manufactured in the US online. So we will Great. sell online. Yeah. So that'll probably be coming like early 2024. Um, oh, that's exciting. Let me know when that happens. I'll be your first customer, right? We love cookie dough. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're launching. I'm like talking about it now because um, I'm planning it, but we're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign um, just to help with the, yeah, the launch of the new product. So what a smart idea. What a way to get an uh, influx of cash. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you your product seems to be a little bit more of a healthy alternative. Is you mentioned you being a bodybuilder and exercising. Is the health healthy aspect then the main focus for the company? Yeah. So the one big thing that I really care about as like a, a founder and a consumer is just like high quality, natural ingredients. Like I don't like consuming like artificial sweeteners or dyes or preservatives or any of that stuff. I believe in having like whole foods and I think sugar is good in moderation and it depends where it comes from. So like we're, right. we're we use uh, maple syrup and dates to sweeten our cookie dough. Um, our sprinkles are colored with turmeric, spirulina, and paprika. So we still have sugar in our product, but there's added protein. And then the like the, the functionality of it just makes it like a healthier way to curb a sweet tooth, basically. That's really cool. And Canadian maple syrup is world-renowned. So that, yeah, that makes that's what I hear. Sense. Everyone's got yeah, <laughs> the real big Canadian selling feed. <laughs> Tapped from my backyard. <laughs> That'd be a good video. I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your social media. You've totally blown up on TikTok, and I think you've got almost 200,000 followers. What, what was the secret there? What did, what did you do that just really made it successful? I think with any social media platform, it's just showing up and putting in work and then continuing to show up whether or not you're getting views or not, right? And I got on there in a really prime time where TikTok was still new in 2021 and there wasn't a lot of paid posts. So if you go on TikTok now and you scroll, every third or fourth post is a paid post. So you have less opportunity to get organic reach. Um, But yeah, anyone who's like looking to grow on any platform, you just have to keep 
putting out content and then also just add value. That's like the one thing that I always think about whenever I'm creating content, especially on LinkedIn is, okay, is this going to benefit someone? Is this doing anyone any good? Or that's the way that I look at it. And then even just for LinkedIn, I don't recommend posting every day to everyone because it's not sustainable for most people, but I post every day. So that was like a commitment my friends and I made to ourselves. We're like, we're going to post 365 times this year, at least yeah. 365 times. And so far, like we're both, <laughs> that. but then with, yeah, with TikTok, it's just building community, engaging with people too. Like if people are mm-hmm. commenting, acknowledging them, that you see them, yep. talk to them, that they're your friends. I think that's the thing that will get you ahead of all the competition, any businesses, if you just have a more personable relationship with your audience, because that is so hard to find. And big corporations can't do that. They can try as hard as they want, but they can't do that. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I love the aspect of responding. Gary Vaynerchuk is one of my inspirations. I don't know if you know him very well or have seen his content, but if you don't have the time to respond to a comment or feel like you're too good for it, it's it's just not going to work out for you in the long run. I agree with you 100%. We have to make time for the people that make time for us and say thank you, even if it's just liking their comment. Simple as that. That's so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's well reciprocation for sure. Do you go live when you're doing your packing out or anything like that? I used to go live on TikTok a lot <laughs> back when I did everything. So I used to <laughs> packing, like it would be like 11 at night and I'd put my phone up and be on live and yeah, that I did a lot. And then now I don't really do it as much just because it's me like working at my laptop most days. <laughs> Sometimes you're... I do like store runs and stuff. You're yeah. less exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm less exciting. I don't know if people would just hang around and watch me work from my laptop, but I do. I do. I'm trying to get better at because we were knees deep in product development like all year. And I haven't, I pulled back from content creation a little bit, specifically on TikTok and Instagram, just because I didn't have the bandwidth. And now that we're launching into stores, I have a little bit more free time. So I'm trying to go to stores and take videos. And I went into a grocery store yesterday and I'm like, to the cashier, do you mind being in a TikTok video? And I recorded. <laughs> Me buying the product and just doing little things like that, I think go a long way. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And I've enjoyed watching your content where you're in front of your or behind your cooler with the Brodo logo on it. Really cool. You're giving out samples or something. I think that's a really a smart sales technique. So well done. Thank you. Yeah, that's hard too. <laughs> it's hard to be the 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 person handing the product to the people, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to, yeah. to be one-on-one with consumers who don't know you. Yeah. yeah, some people are just not very receptive to, like when I went out on the streets and I was handing out product, like I wanted to get like content and get people to try it. And a lot of people just weren't having it. So <laughs> I think I probably like out of a hundred people, maybe like less than 10 said yes. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> Have you seen the guys from Freewater? Oh, I know him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was on the podcast. He's an awesome guy and his company is really cool. But the, I love their content, how they're literally giving things away. Like you are, samples, yeah. but it's their product. They're like, why um, is it free? What do you mean? What's wrong with it? They're what's like, the problem? Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of viral videos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's cool. People will complain even about free things. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and purchase your products? 
So our website is eatbrodo.com. We have a wait list that you can sign up for if you want to get on that. And then I can be reached via LinkedIn, Erica Rinkin, and then eatbrodo is our handle on Instagram and TikTok. Great. This is great. And then when do you think the Kickstarter will launch so we can prepare for that? Like this fall. I'm just going to keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Things take a little longer than you hope, but yeah, um, let me know. And, and we'll launch this kind of at the same time if you want. So yeah. you can get some promotion that way. Well, yeah, that'd be awesome. thank you so much, Erica. Thank you, Aurora Packaging for sponsoring this podcast. We appreciate it. If you're listening, make sure you give us a review. We really appreciate that and subscribe and stay tuned for more. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging innovation and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.